1: Church age. is very simple. You might have heard the scripture. It's called John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, that His promise, His promise is, is sure, but the only reason for the delay, the main reason for the delay, is God's love for the world. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish.
0: When you really look at the brokenness of the world, it can be hard to believe that things could get much worse. Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny continues his look at the prophecies laid out in the book of Daniel. You'll be reminded that Jesus is going to come back, and while it might seem like he's delaying, he really is waiting so that more people have the chance to know him. God loves you so much. He's patiently waiting for you to take him up on his offer of forgiveness and begin a relationship with him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel, chapter nine as he continues his message, a disappointing revelation.
1: of the prophetic coin, I look at people wearing masks, including myself, and I go, wow, what a sign. Jesus is coming. And on the other side, I look at the mask, and I say, I hate this thing. I can't wait for the day that Calvary Chapel Fellowship hosts a mask-burning service. I can't wait. But let me prophesy, here's what's going to happen when we have our mask-burning service. Whenever that is, we're going to say, okay, here's the date, come on, the courtyard, we got the the bonfire going, you know, bring your mask, and here's what's going to happen. Some people aren't going to bring every mask they have. They're going to hide a few, you know, because they don't have enough faith to believe they can get rid of all their masks, and I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you, go and find your spouse's mask and bring it. Find your children's mask. Find your mom and dad, even your grandmother. Get her mask and bring it by faith. So look, on the one hand, I see all the prophecies being fulfilled. I go, hallelujah, Jesus is coming. On the other hand, I go, I wish they weren't happening in my day because I don't like it. I don't like that desolations are decreed. I think we've been through this kind of thing before in the book of Daniel, haven't we? And the one final desolation that's called the abomination of desolation, guess what? That one final desolation that at the very end will make it appear that the saints have lost. You read about it. Revelation chapter 13, here's what it says. When Antichrist is ruling during that final seven-year period, verse 5, he's referred to as a beast and the kingdom he rules, beastly, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise his authority for for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Right in the middle of the seven, you'll see his true colors. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power, given power to make war against the saints. Listen to what I'm reading to you. And to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast except those whose names have been written in the book of life. Only those who are Christian in that coming day will not worship this dude and everything he stands for. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. And then he says, he who has an ear, let him hear If anyone's to go into captivity, into captivity he'll go. It's going to be tough. If anyone's to be killed with the sword for his faith, he'll be killed with the sword. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Says it again in chapter 14. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. It's going to look like we've lost. But I am on the ultimate comeback team. We are the underdogs of all of history. You say, but most of this is pretty discouraging. Could you give me something positive? Okay, here it is. Say it with me. Let's think about it. Here we go. You ready? The certainty of our ultimate future victory is based on the previous fulfillment of prophecy. Say it one more time. The certainty of our ultimate future victory is based on previous fulfillment of prophecy. And a lot of this prophecy is not enjoyable when it gets played out. The cross was awful and yet beautiful. Now I get to the favorite part of the message. For me anyway. I hope it is for you. That is the mystery in the text that was not revealed to Daniel. You say, what is it? "Uh, I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm going to tell you. There's something in the text that God didn't reveal to Daniel. And he didn't reveal it to any other Old Testament saint. Nobody in the Old Testament understood what we know. Well, what do we know? The prophecy speaks of 490 years of prophetic history, but it includes at least 2,510 years of history. I want you to stop and think about this. The reason he divided the 490 years, 49 years, seven sevens, 62 sevens, 434 years, the cross, last seven, great tribulation. Why are they divided? Well, especially between the 483rd year and the 490th year, there's a gap. And that gap has been continuing now for over 2,000 years or around 2,000 years, depending on when you date it, when Jesus came or the actual cross. The end hasn't come. We see signs It's a sign. He's coming. But the end hasn't come. How long do we have? I don't know. You don't know. If you think Jesus is coming today, he's not coming today because he said I'm going to come in an hour you don't expect me. So don't think he's coming today. And maybe he'll come today. Here's what Daniel or no other Old Testament saint was told wasn't shown to him. wasn't revealed to him. It's called the church age. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or the Lord's grace. And then he rolled up the scroll. That'd be like closing his Bible. He's done with the reading. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying, listen to what he says. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But what's fascinating is if you go back now to Isaiah chapter 61 and you look at where he was reading from, he stopped mid-verse. Chapter 61 of Isaiah, verse one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor And that's where he stopped, mid-verse. And he closed his Bible, handed it back. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. But there's more prophecy here. Look at the last part of verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. You know what that is? That is the great tribulation. That's the final seven-year period. To comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It sounds like an eternal restoration. And he ends in verse 10. He says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he's clothed me with the garments of salvation. It's his salvation that secures the future hope. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians chapter three. What God had not revealed to any Old Testament saint that in the church age, the gospel would go out to the Gentile world and spiritually speaking, Jews and Gentiles would be merged together by faith in Jesus Christ. So I have another question. Why didn't God tell Daniel? Why didn't the Lord tell any other Old Testament saint about this indefinite gap of at least 2,000 years called the church age. And here we speculate a little bit. I don't think they could handle it. To hear that God is gonna pour out his grace and mercy on the Gentile world, you know what Jews thought about Gentiles? They thought Gentiles were created to fuel the fires of hell. You just read the story of Jonah. And when God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach repentance, Jonah went the opposite direction, running from the Lord and running from his call because he knew, and this is what he said to God. When God finally came and got him after the whale or the big fish experience, said, so I knew what a gracious God you are, and I know if I go and do what you say, they, 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 they might repent, and you would forgive them. And Jonah didn't want God to forgive them. They were bitter enemies of Israel. God loves the world. I don't think they could have handled it, but I'll give you another another one that's definitely one to think about. The church age would delay the restoration. it would delay heaven. <laughs> Daniel's already been given insight and understanding that the end of the Babylonian captivity is just the beginning of a lot of more prophecy to be fulfilled and a lot of it won't be enjoyable. God wanted him to know but he didn't tell him everything. He didn't tell him everything. The church age would delay restoration. Anybody want Jesus to come today? I want Jesus to come today. I want the rapture of the church to happen today. I want to be beamed up. I want to get out of here. But it's probably not going to happen. Because if you expect him to come today, he's not going to come today. And God loves the world. The reason for the church age is very simple. You might have heard the scripture. It's called John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 verses 8 and 9 that his promise, his promise is, is sure, but the only reason for the delay, the main reason for the delay is God's love for the world. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. What, would it, what if the end would have come 100 years ago? I don't like that because I wasn't born until 1957. Now, there's some things about me I don't like, but overall, I like me. I like being me, especially after 19 years old when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And guess what? The best part of that deal is he gave his life to me. I gave my life to him. He gave his life to me. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever with Jesus in a world where there's no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. I'm not going to have to struggle with sin again. I'm going to look good. I'm going to have hair. My body is going to be God's gem all over. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I want him to come today. I want him to come today, but I put in my notes, I want the end to come so we can get on to a better world, but God delays for divine reasons. The main one being people's salvation. Now, when you put it all together, this text, when you put it all together, this is one of the things we can't miss, That is teaching us to learn to trust the Lord for the mysteries he has not revealed to us. And I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. I've taught through the book of Revelation maybe more than any book in the Bible. I love prophecy. I've taught through Revelation. I think, I think it's fit five times now. And every time when I get to Revelation 10.4, Revelation 10.4, I'm frustrated. I am absolutely frustrated. You say, what is Revelation 10.4? That is where John's receiving more revelation and all of a sudden, seven thunders speak. And the whole context is prophetic, so it must be prophetic voices Seven thunders speak, and John's about to write down and include it in the book of Revelation what the seven thunders speak, and then God says, no, John, don't write that down, and I'm like, what? If you're not going to have him write it down and include it in the book, why did you tell me they said something? That's like somebody telling you some great secret and saying, it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you. What do you mean you're not going to tell me? Why did you tell me it's a secret? My wife told me you got really worked up on the what the Seventh Thunder said in the Saturday night service. You ought to calm down a little bit, but I can't calm down because it hell bothers me that he told us Seventh Thunder said something and he didn't tell us what they said. All right, let's just finish the service. <laughs> you gotta learn to trust the Lord. <laughs> you gotta learn to trust the Lord for what he hadn't revealed to us. Here's one of those love-hate verses. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. Some people focus on the things that God hasn't told us and they get in all this terrible tizzy in life because there's so many things God hasn't told us. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. I'm looking forward to that day. No more mystery. No more unanswered questions. No more I don't understand. Almost done. But you got to take a quick look at John 16. John's Gospel, chapter 16. Real quick, real quick. Jesus in John 15 through 17 has his most intimate conversation with his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. You know the kind of things he says to them here? He says in chapter 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. As a matter of fact, the world hated me without reason. So, (laughs) no servant's greater than his master." He's trying to get them prepared for what's going to happen in living their Christian lives. And then he told them all the negative prophetic things that were going to happen before his second coming. He tells them he's going to leave them. Chapter 16, verse 6, because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. He says later on, now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again and you'll rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Notice what he says in chapter 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you now can bear. What a revelation that is. You know what that tells me about what the seven thunders speak, spoke? I probably don't want to know what they said. Because revelation's hard enough to digest with what we have already revealed. If I knew what the seven thunders spoke, it might put me over the edge. I might not be able to accept it. I may not understand it to a point that I actually doubt the goodness of God. And God knows how much we can handle. God knows how much I can bear. And Jesus said, I got much more I'd like to say to you, but you can't handle it right now. And then I don't want you to miss the prayer. In chapter 17, he prays for them. Verse 13, I'm coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Despite all the terrible things they're going to have to deal with. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I'm not of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. That's what I want, but that's not his will. But that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. This world's not our home. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Hopefully we're being sanctified even more right now. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. But don't miss verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about the disciples he just had this intimate discussion with. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I don't know about you, that gives me Jesus bumps. He prayed in this prayer for me that no matter what the difficulty, no matter what prophetic fulfillment I am called to live through, I can have joy. I can have peace. I can have hope. He ends by saying, Father, I want those you've given me, verse 24, to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And guess what? That's going to happen one day. For Daniel, the Babylonian captivity was about to end. But the end and the ultimate fulfillment of the ages would be a long time yet to come. The book of Daniel is a prophetic book, but it is also a book that gives us examples of those who have endured difficult days and yet lived victorious lives, lives that testify to the only true God. These people resisted the most tantalizing temptations, endured fiery trials, even lions' dens, but they never lost their hope for the future. And that is what kept them going in the daily grind of life. And so I thought of a couple of scriptures we could say. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Habakkuk complained about all the things that were happening in his day and all the unrighteousness that was going on. And then when God told him he was going to do, bring the Babylonians, judgment, he complained about that. But at the end, he finally had his faith restored and he accepted the desolations that were decreed for his time and the difficulties that he would have to live through prophetically. And here's what he said, and I'm going to read it for us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, that means there's no paycheck. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, you lost your car. Yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. What he's saying is, God's going to enable me to live above the negative prophetic circumstances that I am called to live through. Last one. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. Daniel found himself in a place of being the odd man out when he was in exile in Babylon, a pagan land. But Daniel didn't let the ways of those around him change who he was and what he believed in. He still held strong to his faith in the Lord. Have you ever found yourself being the odd one out for what and who you believe in? Learn from Daniel. Don't let others get between you and God. People come and go, but God remains faithful. If you'd like to hear this teaching from the book of Daniel again or hear more from Pastor Danny, visit our website at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We would also like to invite you to join our Bible reading plan, also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for today's edition of The Living Word.